Out of a thousand professionals in 20 industries surveyed, 98% struggle with living in the moment, 89% are unable to turn off work at the end of the day, and 87% constantly compare their achievements to those of their peers. Do you identify with any of this? Well, then you might be an overachiever. But CJ McClanahan, my next guest, says that's nothing to be ashamed of because Hey, your brain is wired that way, and our culture pushes us to overachieve. On this episode of Passion and Profits Without Burnout, we're going to dig into three major topics related to overachieving. The first is, why are we so obsessed with overachieving when in a nation and most developed countries, we have everything we need? We have been living in a time of plenty for so long. Well, that actually contributes to this whole issue to begin with. The second thing we're going to dig into is why doesn't this obsession with success or achieving success lead to joy and satisfaction with our life? And then third, we take a look at better strategies for how we define success what that looks like in our lives. And CJ gives us three simple tips that anyone can execute to start recovering from being an overachiever. Welcome to Passion and Profits Without Burnout. I'm your host, Jacob Moore. I'm a speaker, coach, childhood suicide loss survivor, and filmmaker who left Hollywood to follow my heart of service. I've helped tens of thousands of people find the balance in their life between passion and profits. On the show, I'm going to teach you how to build a trauma-responsive, resilient, and impactful community and organization, all without burning out. Let's get started. Well, hi, CJ. Thanks so much for joining me. Jacob, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk. Yeah, my pleasure. And I'm excited to share your knowledge and expertise with our listeners here on Passion and Profits. The whole premise of this show is to teach service leaders and people who are in the business of helping other people or leading other people how to avoid burnout. And one of the biggest challenges I think they have, I know that I've had it, is this idea that, you know, needing to be great, needing to achieve, needing to always do more, more, more. And um, you have, you know, built your career around the challenges that people face as overachievers. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit about, you know, what led you to to do this work? Well, as I've, I've said, Jacob, to anyone who will listen, my entire career is really just therapy for me. So I grew up as an overachiever. I distinctly remember third grade class being told by Mrs. Weber that I was uh, smart, quote unquote, and that I would be put into an advanced class. And the next thing you know, I'm in high school and I'm out studying everyone else. And then I'm in college and I win some awards and so on and so forth. And what I found is that every, I, I wasn't, I never felt adequate unless I was winning something. I never felt as though, um, I had any good, real good self-esteem unless I was achieving something. And so I thought, well, that must just be me. 
2003, I started this business of advising CEOs and leaders. And, and what I found four or five years into it is that everyone's just like me. All of these overachievers, it is always go, go, do, do, go, go. And I had this revelation that I thought, well, what are we doing? I mean, it's this constant chase for more money, more stuff, more recognition. When is enough enough? So I, I, I didn't intend... Uh, when I initially started um, advising uh, leaders, I didn't intend to be the, oh my gosh, we've got to rethink about what success always means. It just, it, it just, I recognize that ultimately what we're trying to achieve is, is this thing called success and it's not delivering what it is that we really want, which is satisfaction and joy and commitment and that, the, the kind of feelings that we're searching for it. Right. So then I woke up one day and I said, all right, maybe I need to tweak the way that I go to market and I need to help professionals think differently about what success actually means. You know, I remember years ago when I first found you, when I first came across your work or we were introduced, mm -hmm. um, you said something that really impacted me and it stuck with me. And I have repeated it to myself and others many times since then, which is as overachievers, we are, like you said, just go, 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 go. And we climb up these hills, right? We traverse these mountains and we get up to the top. And before we even stop to take a look around and see what beautiful views and appreciate and celebrate what we've accomplished, we're already headed right back down the other side of the hill to the next hill, to the next challenge, to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Just, it just exemplified my entire experience as an entrepreneur. It is, and it's actually that there's brain chemistry that kind of drives us, but it is, it, we've become addicted to achievement is what it is. It's no different than any other addiction. Our brain doesn't feel good about what it is we've become as a human unless we're yeah. doing things that are being recognized in some way, shape, or form. And ultimately, we're wildly competitive as overachievers, yeah. and we think to ourselves, well, if I'm not outdoing my peer, whomever we think our peer is, I must not be achieving and then I don't feel good about myself. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Whoever we think our peer is. And uh, CJ, I have a secret competitions with feuds with other entrepreneurs that have no idea that I even exist. Oh, gosh. Yeah. No. It's a true thing. Yeah. We, well, I mean, I think, Jacob, we've always had those, but of course, social media and, and our, the way that we yeah. can see what Feels everyone it. else is doing. Yep. Right. That there's a guy out there who, a guy or a gal doesn't even matter who just had who just launched a new podcast and in their third podcast they had 10 times more listeners than I've ever had on any of my podcasts and I I hang my head like what am I even doing yeah you know? and then it's just constantly comparing and competing and comparing and competing yeah so let's let's talk about and let's make this applicable for our listeners what what does this look like in our actions and our behaviors and what are the negative effects what are the what are the pain points that this causes for people yeah, what we found and i think i think your listeners will recognize this at the core they'll know it's coming but what we find with this chase that we're on is that we say to ourselves if i work hard if i prepare all of that leads to me achieving something yeah Whatever that something is, I get a promotion, I get straight A's, I win an award in the community, I become partner, whatever that thing is. And so we equate 
hard work and preparation to success because Jacob, it works, right? I mean, if I work hard and I prepare, I will be successful. The problem is, is just like any drug that success wears off very quickly. In addition, just like a drug, the amount of success that you used to have to achieve in order to feel good about yourself is no longer enough success to feel good in the future. I read a book a few years ago about a guy in investment banking out in New York City, and he was despondent. I think he said clinically depressed, he felt because his bonus one year was only a million dollars. Despondent. And of course, everyone else on the planet is going, well, why would you be despondent? And he said, because one of his peers got a $2 million bonus. And so the problem is, it's not that there's anything wrong with working hard and in going after success. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. The problem comes in is when you make your entire self-worth about the next achievement. Yeah. Because if it's always about the next achievement, you'll never, ever be satisfied and you'll be the guy on the treadmill or you'll have the cliched story of the guy who turned 85 years old and said, oh my gosh, I didn't enjoy five minutes of my right. life. I outachieved everybody, right? But I didn't enjoy any of it. And, and the worst part about this, Jacob, is, and, and you know this with all that you've done throughout uh, your career and your calling here, is that it leads to a truck ton of anxiety and stress and worry. And all of that ruins relationships. Um, it, it gives us significant deterrence to our health. We put on weight. We might have heart disease. I mean, the physiological effects of the constant chase have been well-documented the uh, psychological effects of the chase are well-documented as well. So while we think we're achieving, we're also doing some pretty significant damage to our bodies. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel that, and I've experienced that in my relationships and certainly the anxiety. And it's interesting because, you know, I was just having this discussion with a friend the other day who is, I would say, a high achiever. He is, you know, in the C-suite in a major U.S. company. And we were talking about the fact, you know, been comfortable for a while, right? You know, the days of struggle, haven't experienced that in a while, which is such a blessing. And there's so much privilege that comes with, you know, having to gotten to this level. Why do we keep pushing? Why is it not enough to just say, I've hit the income level that is comfortable? We have everything that we need. We have the lifestyle that we need. Why, why more? Yeah. And so what you're saying is that dopamine hit that comes from, mm -hmm. you know, from achieving just a little bit more, a little bit more just keeps pushing us. I mean, like, like you said, it's like a drug. Yeah, it is. So there is a very, no, it's not famous, but I loved it, a book called The Molecule of More, which is all about dopamine. And what they show us in The Molecule of More is that we are addicted to change and we are addicted to accomplishment. Yep. Now, I think part of this is because it is so easy to compare. So if you and I lived in a vacuum, if we were on a, a desert island somewhere and there was no one we could compare ourselves to, I think all of us would probably wind down and be like, well, I've got everything I need. Why do I need to keep achieving? Yep. The problem is we can compare. If you and I took a break for 10 seconds and went onto LinkedIn or Twitter or something like that, we would instantly compare <laughs> ourselves to other entrepreneurs or speakers or writers or whatever yep. it ends up being instantaneously. And so 
I, what I found with overachievers is most of them, the reason they keep pushing is because they are, once they pass one peer and they're like, all right, I'm the highest paid guy in my firm. Then they're like, but wait a minute, there's another firm across town and that guy is making more than me. But wait a minute, there's another firm in Chicago and that guy's making more than me. And today we're competing globally. All of us are in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And so it's just more and more and more. And until we learn to -hmm. step off of that a little bit, we'll just continue this chase. Yeah. And outside of the, that, that molecule of more, um, Mm -hmm. our brains driving us to do this. What is it about the culture that contributes to that? Because like you said, if we're on a deserted Island and I've experienced this when I've been on vacation or I've lived abroad, like in second, third world countries, and you exist on very little. It's just like, I'm always struck by how joyful people are and how much they Mm -hmm. just, they just love their lives. What is it about Western culture? And I would say there are some Eastern cultures as well, but I think in the States here, especially, Mm -hmm. um, we, we have this culture that is obsessed with that success. Yeah. So we've got 20 minutes to go, Jacob. So I'm going to keep this as short as humanly possible so you don't turn the mic off. (laughs) The problem in the West is tenfold, but firstfold, and the one that matters the most is that we we live in an abundant society. So Jacob, you and I are not going to wonder where we're going to get food today. We've got plenty of food. And we've lived in an abundant society for quite a while here in the United States. So fundamentally what that means is we've had our needs met. Today, we have more disposable income than at any time ever. We live in bigger houses than we've ever had. The self-storage industry is now a $40 billion industry that didn't exist until about 40 years ago. Yeah. Right? Why does it exist? shows storage wars, right? Right. I mean, exactly. Right. It's insanity. So the reason we are, it is so hard to be uh, satisfied with what it is that we have is because it is so easy to see people have more. Yep. Number one. Number two, the advertising industry which by the way, I'm a capitalist, so I'm not bashing them, but the advertising industry is built on one fundamental concept. And the concept is this, you don't have something in your life because until you recognize you don't have something, you won't buy a product or good. Yep. It has always been that way. But until the internet came along in mass media began to infiltrate our lives, we didn't know every second of every day that we didn't have something. Right. And so now what's happening is it's very easy to compare ourselves to others who have more and we are bombarded every second of every day for items we didn't even think that we need. Yep. So if, if I got onto any social media account today, at some level, someone's going to show me an image of something that I've searched for. It happens to be shorts right now for me, by the way. <laughs> so I get all these ads for shorts. And every time I see one, my dopamine flips and I'm like, man, I would look good in those shorts. I got to give me those shorts. Right, right. It's never enough. There, it is truly never enough. And so, what's causing it in the West is our constant bombardment with the need to have more. And what that gets down to, and I don't want to make this the show. I don't want to make this the dopamine show, but it really does get down to dopamine. And the reason is, is yeah. because ultimately we want to feel good. And what is the feel good chemical or the feel good neurotransmitter? It's dopamine. And the smartest people on the planet wake up every day and go, "How do I make someone want more dopamine? Yeah. How do I fulfill it?" I mean, there's a bazillion tools out there. Probably the greatest one is, in fact, the Amazon Prime account, which someone will write a book saying, I am addicted to Amazon Prime. I don't know who will write that book, but it will eventually be written Yeah, because people can't wait to walk, to drive home and to see a box out in front of their house and to go, oh, what present did I just get today? Right. 
And that's how it feels, even though you bought it for yourself and you know that it's coming. When you see it there, it's that it's feeling, crazy. right? It, yeah. I mean, I'm no better than anyone else. When I see the box, I'm like, oh my gosh, someone likes me. I have a gift. There's a, there's a surprise on my front porch. When in reality, it's I open it up and I'm like, oh, those are the scissors I bought. You know? <laughs> right, right. It's nothing yeah. interesting. How do you balance that? How do you reconcile that? You, you said you're a capitalist. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, like we know the psychology behind sales. We know what is driving that. You, you, you see behind the matrix mm -hmm. and yet here we are. Right. How do you reconcile living in a world where both of those exist? Yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. Okay. It is, it, it is absolutely tricky. What I've decided to do, and I probably decided to this about seven or eight years ago is, um, I decided to say to myself, what do I want? What do I really want? And I sat down with actually a friend of mine who's a psychologist and who's runs a huge practice here in central Indiana. And I asked him, what do people want? And he convinced me with, of course, data and charts and all kinds of stuff. Everyone wants the same thing. And that is to feel joy. So then I said, okay, assuming that's what I want, Jacob, I want to feel joy. How do I find joy? What is the quickest, easiest way to find joy? If the quickest, easiest way to find joy was to out earn everyone else. All I would do is out earn everyone else. That's all I would do because that's joy. But, but what I found is it isn't joy, which then of course begs the next question, what does bring joy? Well, it, it boils down to a handful of fundamentals. And the first is um, build relationships with the people that you care about the most. You know that, I know that, we all know that deep down, but truly if you have great relationships with people that you care about, you can withstand anything. Yep. Two is get better at being in the moment. All joy comes from slowing our brains down and being in the moment. All anxiety and stress and worry, as you know, Jacob, comes from worrying that tomorrow something's going to go wrong, right? Everything comes from, oh my gosh, I have all that I need now. I had a client in my office yesterday. His, his business Future. is going great. And you know what he said to me, Jacob? I wonder when the next shoe is going to drop. That's what he wanted to talk about. When is the next shoe going to drop? And I said, I said, my man, we had a busy, really hard couple of challenges. I think the shoe dropped already. We picked it up, put the shoe back on. You really get good with the relationship, people that you care about. Number two, you learn to live in the moment. And number three is you learn to live generously. And by living generously, I mean you, you learn to give away your time and your money to other people. Why does that work? There's a whole bunch of psychological reasons why that works, but fundamentally think about it simply. The minute I begin to focus on the needs of another person, I stop, even if it's momentarily, worrying about what's not going right in my own life. Right. So I've become a very generous person in the last 10 years. And every time I give money or time away, I'm, I get patted on the back and, oh, CJ, you're such a nice guy. And I'm always like, time out, stop. I'm doing this because it makes me feel good. Yeah. If it didn't, I wouldn't. Yeah. Right. And so if you learn to develop great relationships with people that you care about, really develop great relationships. If you get good at living in the moment, and if you learn to live generously, you're going to find some joy in life. Yeah. Simple, 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 ridiculously hard to get these into practice. I mean, yeah, complex. Oh my gosh. Intellectually, everyone's like, oh, that's an easy one. Putting it into practice. Wow. Is that hard? Can we dig into this idea of joy? And I'm going to maybe throw your curveball. 
how would you differentiate joy and contentment? Or are they the same thing? That's a great question. Joy and contentment. I would argue they're almost the same thing, which is kind of a really lazy answer, but I would argue they're <laughs> the same thing. Let me define joy and you tell me if it's different than contentment. So joy to me is a lasting satisfaction with what's going on in your life. It's not this mm -hmm. momentary burst of happiness that comes from, oh, my team just won the Super Bowl or whatever it ends up being. It's a lasting type of satisfaction that comes from the things that are going on in your life. That to me feels a little bit like contentment, not happiness though. Happiness to me is different. Happiness is a burst. Yeah. And I think whatever achievers do sometimes is they think contentment is a naughty word because they think the minute I get content, I'm lazy, I'm going to lose my edge and someone else is going to pass me. Right. Not so sure that's true. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I think this relationship investment being present, those to me are, or the byproduct of that is contentment, mm -hmm. right? To say, this is everything I need and I'm going to keep reinvesting in this, knowing that the dividends are often intangible by they will give me everything that I need in life. And to me, that leads to joy. Right. I think you're right. You know, and, and, and that element of living generously because the fifth bridges give, right? Mm. And there's a reason why I include that in the wellness system because, as you said, there is, I think it is the highest level of wellness that we can achieve is that joy that comes from giving. And like you said, it is 100% selfish in the fact that it makes us feel good, right? Yeah. There's no doubt. It's um, my, my children, I think have, I have a 15 year old or a 16 year old and 18 year old. And I think they've only listened to about 25% of what I've said and ignored the rest, but they have memorized one quote and it comes from Lao Tzu in his, the Tao Te Ching. And it says, rejoice in the way things are. The minute you realize you lack nothing, you gain everything. And it's such a powerful concept because it mm. reminds you that as long as I recognize I don't lack anything, then I'm not going to feel this angst or this worry that something is passing me by or I don't have enough. And yeah. the minute you get to that point, you find joy. What keeps us from joy is this concept of what I have today isn't enough. So I need something else, whether it is money or a bigger house or yep. whatever, I mean, hair, whatever it ends up being, <laughs> we want the thing we don't have. Yeah. CJ, this is really hitting home for me right now as a new dad. You know, I've been on this, I would say on the edge of obsessed with this idea of I need to produce more. I need to accomplish more. I need to, I need to bring more resources into this family unit in order to provide X, Y, Z, right? Mm -hmm. The trap of that is getting so caught up in trying to, to achieve that, that I miss the actual moments of joy that are possible right here, right now with my baby boy. Mm -hmm. And 
when I think about the way that I grew up from nothing, living in a trailer park, you know, we experienced some really hard times. We also had a blast and <laughs> so much fun. And what we learned and what we created and what we were able to achieve and do as a family, you know, is, is incredible. I mean, we survived so much. So I think what you're saying, that's all just to say that it's really coming in perspective for me and helping me remember what's important, truly. And it's hard. Yeah. Typically at this point in the conversation with, when I have this talk with anyone, they be this, this weird emotion begins to creep in Jacob, which is guilt because we know that yesterday or last week or last month, or maybe even all of last year, I was so focused on accumulation that I didn't enjoy what I had as much. And I wasn't grateful. And we begin to feel this guilty feeling. If, yeah. if any of your listeners are beginning to feel guilt right now, I would say that's a, that's normal. B yep. let it go right? There's no use in beating yourself up. It is what it is. It's the past. Let it go. You're not perfect. Yeah. This is really, really hard stuff to do. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Just like you said, with even everyone does this, especially those who are, you know, in leadership positions. It, I mean, it's like normal. And I think conditioned to our brains to some degree. So giving ourselves a little grace about that mm -hmm. is absolutely is really important. But you know, for someone who is starting to recognize this, these feelings are coming up and they're saying, Hey, I identify with this, maybe a little guilt is coming up. What would you say should be their first step? So right, so we have identified the challenge, but where do we go from here? Do you you call yourself the recovering overachiever? Mm -hmm. So, so what was your first step in that recovery process after the awareness? Yeah. The first step that I would typically reckon, and this is really easy for anyone to do. It is a, let's just say intellectually easy, but it can be challenging is you do something called the eulogy exercise. Okay. And what I challenge you to do is this, get out a piece of paper and write down family, friends, coworkers, or employees, if you run a company in community, family, friends, coworkers, or employees in my community. And ask yourself a very simple question. Imagine I died, right? Real pep talk here. Imagine I died. <laughs> what do I want them to say about me, right? What do I want those people to say about me at my eulogy? Now, if the difference between the way you live today and what you want them to say is huge, resist the urge to beat yourself up. Okay, resist the urge to go, gosh, I'm the worst parent or whatever it is. Resist the urge and simply say to yourself, tomorrow, I'm going to do a little bit better job of becoming the person I want to become in the eyes of the people that matter most. That's it. That's my first step. I love that. Participate in that really simple eulogy exercise. Yeah. And when you do that, recognize, Jacob, that you can't. Not everyone's going to love you. So when you write down family, I think it's really about four or five people. If you've got a big family with like 900 cousins, it's not everybody. No. It's the closest family. When you write down friends, it's not, it's not your, uh, the guy you've lived with in college that you haven't talked to in 17 years. Right. You know, you got really close friends. When you talk about employees, you know, the people that you are around all the time, it's not everyone. Because if you try to make everyone happy, you just can't do it. There's not enough hours in the day. Yeah. 
I, I like that. I was just talking with, with a guest the other day, and we were, we were talking about a sedentary workplace, and Alessa said, you know, she's really patterned her philosophy after the Japanese principle of 1% better. And every day the goal is, is just to do 1% better. And I, I like that idea with the eulogy exercise, you know, where's the disparity between where you are and where you want to be as a human being? We're not talking about achievement mm -hmm. <laughs> as nope. a human as being. As a human being, right. And how do you get 1% closer to that, closer to that ideal eulogy, right? Mm -hmm. It is quick. I mean, 30 second story. I, um, I probably really started working on this probably about 12 or 13 years ago. And really got who are the most critical people and began to pattern my life off of the relationships I wanted to have with them. I lost my parents five years ago. My dad died of a stroke in April five years ago. My five months, believe this or not, terrible story. Five months later, my mother died of a stroke. True story. Um, I did not get to say goodbye to them. So there was no telling them all the things that I wish I would have told them. But what was interesting is I had nothing to tell them because I had been mm -hmm. telling them everything along the way. So I didn't have that big, oh, I wish I would have told them. No, they knew exactly how I felt, right? They knew exactly how I felt, exactly what they meant to me. We were unbelievably tight. Yeah, I miss them every day, but I had those relationships dialed in. 12 years earlier, the overachiever, I don't think he did. He, he didn't yeah. spend time making sure everyone knew how much he cared about them because he was so busy achieving. Yeah, I love that, CJ. That's really exemplifying that investment in the relationship and being present enough to share how you're feeling. I think that's beautiful. For those who are challenged by this process mm -hmm. and, and wanting to do better, you have a quiz mm -hmm. that's part of a larger research project. Can you tell us about that? I wondered, this was probably three years ago, I wondered, I said, I wonder how many people struggle with these issues. And we thought, well, why don't we ask him? And we created this quiz. We call it an assessment called the over, excuse me, it's called the Achiever's Compass. And in the Achiever's Compass, you answer about 20 questions and it helps you understand where you're at in your journey. And then depending on the answer that you give, it gives you a whole bunch of videos and handouts and things of that nature to help you figure out kind of what your next step is. Our goal is to get 10,000 responses and then we're going to publish all the research and get it back to people. We've got over a thousand responses so far. And we, we are finding that if you think you're the one struggling with this, I've got news. You're not the one. It is a very shared challenge out there with professionals. So yeah, if you'd love to take the over, excuse me, the achievers compass, we will make certain you get that link. Then it will probably take about three minutes of your time. It's really simple, really easy. It's of course free and you get all the downloads and everything. Once you just click accept and send it and you get all this really great, interesting information. That's amazing, CJ. And I think just understanding and doing that assessment will be really helpful. Larger than that, give that really exemplifies, you know, living generously. Yeah, no and doubt. It's, it, and that's really respectable. Yeah, it makes me feel good. It really does. There's no doubt about that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, CJ. I've learned a lot, and I'm I'm going to go take this quiz right after we're done here. Find out what my what my score says about me. <laughs>
I, I think I already know yeah, a little bit. You get some inclination. Well, I appreciate it, Jacob. I appreciate all the good work you're doing and I appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. Well, I learned a ton from CJ on that episode. My biggest takeaway is that enough is enough, but we have to have enough of the right thing. Our relationships, being present and content in our lives, and this idea of constantly giving and you know, infusing that into the culture of our lives, like that's what leads to actual contentment and joy. For me, I think this idea of the eulogy and really asking ourselves, what do we want people to say about us after we're gone? And being honest about where we are now compared to where we want to be. And without shame, taking steps to get us closer to that ideal eulogy that we want to have, not measured achievements in our life, but time and actually forming relationships. To me, that rang so true. So I'm going to head over to CJ's site right now. We'll drop it in the show notes. Take that Achiever's Compass assessment really curious to see what that says about my achievement personality. Uh, I would encourage you to take it as well and uh, let us know. Let us know what your results are and how you feel about that. And most importantly, what's that one thing that you're doing to make a shift in your life today to get to 1% better? Please drop a comment here, wherever you are coming across this episode. and. In the meantime, be well. Thanks so much for listening to Passion and Profits Without Burnout. I hope that you found some impactful takeaways. And if you did, I'd love to hear from you. Share a screenshot on your IG story, tag me, or send me a quick message. This show is for you, so any feedback is welcomed. Hey, and make sure you're also subscribed to the show so you don't miss any of our new episodes. And if you could take a few minutes to leave me a five-star review. That'd be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening and be well.